I'm John McDevitt, along with Paul Kurtz, and we are the Beer and Booze Bros. Well, I guess I won't be hearing the end of this for the remainder of this stupid podcast. (laughs) In this episode, how do you define craft beer? I think there's many different interpretations of craft. So we are considered, and we've been named by the Brewers Association as the nation's largest craft brewery. We go to Pottsville, and the country's oldest brewery, Yingling, turns 130 next year. You know, some people don't consider us a craft brand for one reason or, or another, but, you know, we are who we are. We find out about the family-run business's rich history, what's on tap today, and what could be in store for the future. That tour of the cave was pretty cool, too. Literally, the temperature was in the upper 40s on a hot summer day. Well, this is really cool. I mean, we're being dripped on. Right. And, and that, that's natural like, spring water. How cool is that? Yeah, Drinks that are on fire, smoking shots under glass, and bags of beer you can sip from a tube. If the bombs really do drop, I'm coming here. We go to the world's only post-apocalypse-themed restaurant, bar, and virtual reality lounge in Fishtown. Philadelphia Museum hosts a pay-as-you-wish after-hours night once a month. You can enjoy adult beverages and activities throughout the building. I love the museum. I've literally come here since I was a kid, and now that I get to drink and come here, it's more fun. And it's rock, paper, scissors, and several pints of beer. The bros go to the American Sardine Bar in Point Breeze. One, two, three, shoot. Get together! Get together! All right, ready. It's time for another episode. We go on a road trip to Schuylkill County and to Yingling Brewery. Why Yingling, you say? I know most folks don't consider it real craft beer, but keep in mind its rise in popularity happened just as the first craft beer wave hit with the arrival of such brands as Sam Adams, Sierra Nevada, and Pete's Wicket. Remember that one? That was back in the early 1990s. And we got real curious about Yingling this summer when the oldest brewery in America rolled out a new product a golden pilsner that has a distinctively craft beer taste and look. John and I took a road trip to Pottsville for a tour of the facility that included a stop in the uh, dark, dank, hand-carved cave where a yangling lager was lagered back in the old days. So you said that this was hand-carved hand hand and yeah. dug. Um, um, who, who did it? And, you know, Coal miners. Took ten years to hand dig this whole thing out. Why they hand dug it? They couldn't use dynamite because upstairs the brewery was being built. Because how I mentioned, the first brewery burnt down, and then you pick this spot because of the mountains and dig it out for cold storage. And what we see is what. Then we sat down and chatted with Jen Yangling, one of the owners' four daughters who are actively involved in the day-to-day operation. So this is our new Golden Pilsner. We're super excited about this this brand. Um, it's been out for about four months now. We're doing a slow slow rollout into different markets, kind of just to test the waters, get our feet wet, make sure we've got a, a brand that with with some legs and it holds. We've had good reception so far for for consumers, so we're excited. What I was amazed, uh, maybe 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 we should try it. Should we try it first? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> then we'll go into the question. I yeah. cheated on it. You get, get oh, good, a little bit of a hop, hop mm-hmm. nose to it. Yeah. Good characteristic. Mm-hmm. This is an all malt brew, so we don't use any kind of adjuncts, whether it's corn or rice or anything like that. It's all malt. So nice. it's, it's less sweet than our other brands. So that's going to give you a very refreshing kind of mouthfeel to it. A lot of drinkability. Crushable. Would you, crushable? Crushable. That's a good way to, yeah. You sessionable, could, crushable. I like I like your description. I don't want to taste yeah. it, so we're not going to do that now. Right. It's just, it's a great pilsner, oh, John. Isn't it great? Wow. Really good. I mean, it's, first thing is refreshing. Like, that's the yep. first, like, because we're hot. 
It's hot out here. It's good beer drinking weather. Oh, for sure. What's the story behind this? So the Golden Pilsner, so we have our three core brands. We have lager, light lager, black and tan, which most people are familiar with. And we have not come out with a new year ground brand in the last 17 years. We've dabbled in some seasonals. We had our Oktoberfest, summer wheat, IPL. Um, but what we were looking for, and we basically were listening to consumers, what their needs and wants were, and see where they're trending. And it's toward this refreshment category. And we just weren't playing real heavy in that arena with our, our other three core brands. So we did a lot of developmental work uh, with this Golden Pilsner, our brewmasters, our plant manager, um, did a lot of taste testings, which is the fun part of it, of course, and um, did some consumer research, too. And this is where we landed. And we're really, you know, it has a light golden color to it. The packaging looks great and really reflects, and uh, it, it, it comp complements what's in the bottle and what's in the can. And what's the ABV on this? It's a 4.7. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Yingling has a, a giant footprint. You've been here, you're getting up to 200 years. I mean, like 1829. So, and this comes off to me as putting a toe in the water of the, the craft beer. Is there more to come from this? So, yes, you're correct in everything you just said. We're considered craft. We like to think of ourselves as as a hybrid type brand um, with all of our brands really we make some good craft style beers with our Lord Chesterfield Ale our Dark Brewed Porter which are more local but they're, they're very good brands nonetheless we had an IPL which was one of our seasonals so it was kind of our take on an IPA it was an India Pale Lager um, again in, in, in my opinion it was a very very good um, hop forward style beer I think we were up to about a 60 IBU on that um, but, you know, I think we, we found that doing all the seasonals, they were detracting us and distracting us from what got us to where we are, which was the focus on our core. So that's why we're still maintaining that focus on lager, light lager, black and tan, and this sessionable, um, refreshing beer in Golden Pilsner. Is there anything that is unique just here you can only get here? We don't know. Not at the moment. We don't do a lot of um, experimental brews. We mm -hmm. don't have a pilot brewery, so mm -hmm. it makes it really difficult coming out with new brands because oh. we're making, you know, our, our brewers are making recipe formulations, and they're, we're, we're, we're brewing 300 barrels at a time. So we like to be sure we get it right. But, yeah. um, you know, we'd love to someday have a little experimental plant, maybe a 10-barrel pilot brewery startup system, do some one-offs. Um, and some brands and brews that are only available on site. Yeah, you're 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 in twenty something states. We're in twenty two. Yeah, wow. twenty two states. When was that coast. jump? What, what, where where was the when did it, the explosion happen? I would say it happened early nineties. Mm. So in 1985, my father bought the brewery from his father, and um, and that's when we started to really see our growth traje trajectory. Um, he came out with a lager brand, black and tan really took took on in the Philadelphia market, state college markets, you know, the, the kids up at Penn State took a liking to us, and, and that's that's all you need. We, we got hot at that time. Um, Boston beer was getting hot around the same time, too, and I think that's when you really started to see the, the first craft beer explosion, and, you know, we like to think we were a little bit a part of that. Your, your beer royalty. Uh, so, so, I mean, was it pressure that you had to carry on the name, or, like, what... what I, I, I'm not an heir to anything, so... <laughs> Honestly, I don't. So, it's my three sisters and myself and I, I can't speak for them but for myself there's certainly no pressure to be involved it's a to me it's an honor and it's an opportunity to be, to be involved and the longer I'm here I think the more I appreciate what the previous generations did you know surviving through wars surviving prohibition surviving the Great Depression you know just getting through that and to see where we are right now and you know it's it's hyper competitive in the marketplace right now with upwards of 6,000 breweries out there so it's totally unlike what the industry was 20 years ago when I got into it, when there were maybe 300 breweries. 
that you're actually like kind of opening your doors of your family history to us. Yeah, and that's important to us. You know, when we um, renovated this building that we're standing in right here, this was the old dairy and the creamery from Prohibition when they, when they made ice cream. And, and then this business went under in 1985. It was a cousin of our family, and they got to the point where nobody wanted to run it anymore. And, you know, the building was just really falling apart. And um, give a lot of credit to my dad for spending the money and making the efforts to renovate this to so this great tasting room we're in now and the gift shop and the museum. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we want to showcase ourselves, and we're opening up vaults of different historical artifacts that we never knew were there. And really? We, we like, like how so? What, what do you mean? Like, you're, you're just still discovering them? Yeah, so we've got, you oh, know, wow. a, across the street in the brewery, we have our brewmaster's office, and, like, right before you go in his office, there's this big vault in there. And up until about four years ago, it was, it was packed. You couldn't walk into it. But as we started to, to grow our museum here in this building, we're like, well, let's look for some things we can put in it. And it just it, 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 it's, will take years to get through everything. I mean, we, we're Germans. We didn't throw anything away. We still don't. <laughs> what does it feel to be a part of that? I mean, you, you're, you're born into it, so you know, you're just a kid growing up. But when did it hit you? That what it's, you... Um, I think that when I first started working here, as a kid growing up, it was, you know, it was the 70s and 80s. And at that time, the brewery wasn't doing as well as, nearly as well as we are today. We were considered an old, cheap, coal region beer. And, um, you know, we were just struggling to survive and get by. And, you know, by the time I got to college, and that's when we started um, seeing our, our huge growth spurt. And, um, you know, it took, took till I came back here in the early 90s and really understood, like, what the beer industry is all about and the good people that are a part of it and just the whole supply chain that's involved. That it's a great industry. Is, is the word craft uh, overused or is it something you guys kind of stay away from? Like, I don't know. I just sense, like, there's something... I don't know. What is your feeling? Let me I ask think, that. I think there's many different interpretations of craft. So we are considered, and we've been named by the Brewers Association as the, the nation's largest craft brewery. I mean, they, they assigned us with, with, with that tag. Um, you know, some people don't consider us a craft brand for one reason or, or another. But, you know, we are who we are. And, you know, we, we put beers out that we are comfortable with and we're comfortable in our own, our own four walls. And, and we've been successful with it. Nice. Yeah, a lot of uh, c- consumers are comfortable with your beer too. And we appreciate that, and we, we know we have a loyal following, and we really, you know, that's why we open our doors every day here for the the tour, the free tours, and the samples, and we want people to know who we are, and you know, we're we're proud of our longevity. Mad Rex is a post-apocalypse-themed restaurant and bar in Fishtown. It also has a virtual reality lounge. If you are a survivor of an apocalypse or just had a rough day, food is very important, and so is the drink. John and I meet with Michael Jonagin, the owner of Mad Rex. They say presentation is everything. Here at Mad Rex, you can cook your meat or fish tableside using a lava rock heat it to more than 500 degrees and watch out for your eyebrows there's a drink that could be served you on fire that's uh, our flamethrower we have our smoking gun which comes in it's a, a glass bowl and we we pump smoke into it it's a hickory smoke and it's our shot it's a black label shot it's made in-house it's phenomenal wow. it has a little woodsy taste to it and goes down smooth what's your beer well, we have uh, our mad rex beer uh-huh. which is made now. it's yeah. made by blueprint brewery a red ale? they make it for us it's a red rye mm-hmm. ipa and uh it's, it's our very number drinkable one. by the way it's, it's our number one seller that's really yeah. good 
survivors come, they gather here because the most valuable thing on the planet now is food. So they come here to celebrate and build the new world. And if you see the mannequins around the restaurant, these are the survivors, these are the heroes that fought to get to where we're at today. And if you look around in the restaurant in the corners, you'll see greenhouses. We're growing tomatoes, herbs, cucumbers, peppers, and we use that within the restaurant. Oh, very cool. So all organic? It's all organic, yeah. No pesticides at all in our, in I, our I, I, I did make a visit to the fallout shelter. That, that's pretty ingenious. Oh, yes. What did you do in the fallout shelter? I, 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 that's, it's their bathrooms. What happens in the fallout shelter stays in the fallout shelter. <laughs> now we do have a VR chamber. It's a virtual reality chamber. I'm going to bring you guys in there in a little bit. There you go. I didn't know I could move out of the way. John is in a virtual reality world trying to blow things up. He is on his knees now, firing away like a madman. God, I'm out of breath. It's a workout. It's a workout. This it is, is a workout. I'm gonna. I want this. Do you ever have like a like a workout? Like do people like work out with this? Oh yeah, definitely. You can order a camel bag full of beer that hangs from a stand. You can roll around and slurp from a tube. Mad Rex is located at 1000 Frankfurt Avenue off of Columbus Boulevard. If the bombs really do drop, I'm coming here. Yeah, You're there's a fallout shelter. Paul, did I tell you about it? You did. Oh yeah. You didn't tell us, <laughs> but you didn't tell us what you did in it. You have to experience it for yourself. I can't tell you what happened. The Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University hosts Dinos After Dark once a month, all year round. It's an after-hours, family-friendly event with a pay-what-you-wish admission. Welcome to Dinosaurs After I'm John McDevitt at the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University along the Benjamin Franklin Parkway at Dinos After Dark. You can sit out in the beer garden and then take your beverage into the museum and discuss dinosaurs and other specimens. There are activities for kids and adults. I love the museum. I've literally come here since I was a kid, and now that I get to drink and come here, it's more fun. Aren't those, those dioramas are amazing, right? The same polar bears from 100 years ago. They're my favorite. I so can probably good. tell you every single one that's in there. Oh, yeah? I like the moose. Yeah, the moose. Do you know that the moose's antlers really aren't his? I did not know It that. was put on there, right? That's right. It was put on there to make it look more menacing and big. What does a program like this do for museums, do you think? I mean, some people were never here before. No, no. I think it brings more people, too, because, I mean... A younger crowd, yeah, but yeah, more yeah. of an adult, like an adult younger crowd. Right, right. Our yeah. age, like 20s yeah, to like 30. Yeah, mid 20s, like early 30s. Like, to come drink and walk around the museum when it's closed. Like, to yeah. kind of enjoy it on adult perspectives. Yeah, and it, there is a lot to learn, too. It's really cool. I think a lot of people don't understand that that's, it really has these types of really treasures. Oh, oh, I found it on Facebook. Oh, yeah? That's how we found it, yeah. What are you guys drinking? I have the sangria. Oh, yeah? How yes. is it? It's good. I'm going to have another. All right. <laughs> The high water hyphen wisen. It's good. Creek. Yeah, in the Chamonix Creek, it's good. 
Tim Shelpertum is the Assistant Vice President of Public Experience at the museum. We are trying to do one a month. Uh, we've got uh, different things happen at each one. Uh, you can have beer and food with our caterers from 12th Street. Uh, you can, the whole museum is pay what you wish. Uh, so you only have to pay a penny if that's what works for you that night. Uh, and we do something different at every single one. So you can enjoy all our exhibits you, while you're drinking your beer. It's family friendly. Um, so we have stuff for the adults and the kids. We're doing yoga and, ba and dance at this one. Uh, why not? <laughs> yeah, there's alcohol involved too. And there's That's alcohol gonna... involved. So, Interesting. So we thought we'd try that. So at each one we do something a little different. And it, 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 this starts up like at 5.30 when people get off work? Yeah, so um, we don't close. We actually, we actually do is we don't even close the museum. So we just stay on open. Um, the beer garden opened at 4 o'clock today. So if the people wanted to get started early on the weekend. Um, and so yeah, we have different variety of different beers. And she does, um, our caterer does a different uh, specialty cocktail. The beer gardens are open for all summer long. The beer garden, when we do this once a month, will be open from 4 till 10 p.m. The museum will be open till 8. So you can come into the museum from until 8 o'clock uh, with your beer, enjoy yourself, do all the activities, meet live animals, um, all the things. And then when, when the museum closes at 8, you got to come back out and have some more beer. <laughs> and there's a scavenger hunt I hear that adults <laughs> like to get involved with. Uh, right? so, so we have this scavenger hunt in our children's nature exhibit that we did last time. And we hide these ducks. And, and they're these little rubber ducks that look like different like devils and sports teams. And, and the, we, people had a great time. We made it into a drinking game to, you know, finding all the ducks. And if you couldn't find certain ducks, you had to take a drink. Uh, so we did, we're doing it again this one, and we're going to keep it up. So this one you have to find all the out letters of the alphabet ducks. Very cool. Um, and each one you miss, you got to take a drink. You gotta, darn it. <laughs> You can find out more on the Academy of Natural Sciences website. So it's off to the Point Breeze neighborhood and the American Sardine Bar to try something new. Neither Paul or I have competed in a rock, paper, scissors tournament, so add some delicious beers, and, well, this is what happened. To Philadelphia Championship Rock, Paper, Scissors! Alright, you guys. I need uh, your hands out here. Close fist. The Philadelphia Championship Rock, Paper, Scissors, or RPS League, held its inaugural open at the American Sardine Bar. It was beer versus booze in the competition. Paul representing beer, and I representing booze. I was off to a bad start, but ultimately winning the round. I, there is something about psyching out. I totally psyched you out. You're just going to rub it in my face, aren't you? Wait you kicked my ass. You, you, you just didn't win. I got into your psyche ball. You I got into my head, man. My name is Adam Garbinski, and I'm the beer director for American Sardine Bar. My yeah. name is Chris Lillis. Your, your affiliation here is Chris. director of operations for the restaurant group. What do you guys pride yourself in? I think we pride ourselves on, I don't know, like a, a folksy, you know, kind of focus and like great service and great products. 
But you don't need to know, you don't need to be like a beer nerd to come here. You don't need to. It's always about approachability. Yeah. Right? Exactly. It's like you're able to to stop in at the sardine bar and you can know you're going to have something tasty no matter, you know, what season it is, no matter what time of day, you know, whether, you know, our menu changes seasonally or our beer is constantly rotating. But I feel like, you know, I feel like we're doing the work for the customer, you know. Yeah. So when the person walks in, they're going to be able to experience the best of the season or the best of what, you know, the beer world has to offer. Are there actually sardines on the menu? Oh, without a oh, doubt. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, thank God. I was like, oh my gosh. You so can't you're sardine-centric. We are sardine-centric. We've got fresh <laughs> sardines. Uh, this is not uh, the canned version, although we do have uh, an option for that. We, uh, we do sardines four ways, fried, plancha, grilled, and sautéed, uh, and again, changes often. What would you pair with sardines uh, beverage-wise, uh, beer or otherwise? Hmm. Like, what is good with sardines? That's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm drinking a farmhouse ale from uh, Stillwater in Baltimore, and I love just like a really like an American style farmhouse ale where it's like pintable, yet there's some elements of like a you know Belgian uh, yeast going on, but it's uh, still has like an American hot profile, and that's goes perfect with sardines. Nice. I've got an IPA because who doesn't love an IPA? And yeah, I, I, I wish I had a grilled sardine in front of me right now. I would love for you guys both to try this house beer and see what you think of it. This house beer was uh, developed by our uh, our previous beverage director, Catherine Wiggins, and uh, she based it on a recipe that she got from Vinnie Carlizo from Russian River Brewing in California. And it was uh, based that, on. Oh, is that who you're right talking here. about? Catherine, right Catherine. Speak yeah. of the angel. Oh, speak of the angel. <laughs> we were just. <laughs> we were just talking about the genesis of American sardines. So this is Catherine, who you were just this talking about. Catherine Wiggins. Who was just yeah. talking about. I, 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 Adam I dropped it. a Russian River name bomb here. How did you get involved with them? <laughs> um, well, we were fortunate enough to partner with Maddie Young Brewing, and Doug was their brewer back then. And he knew uh, Vinny from Russian River and just emailed him and asked for the recipe. And Vinny, who's a really nice guy, sent the recipe along and, you know, we based it off that. They gave up the recipe? Yeah. Wow, were you surprised? No, because Russian River has the reputation of being really, really cool guys. Um, the Crapbury, the Crapper network in general, they're all really cool guys. Very close network. So let's talk about this beer. This is called an American Sardine Ale, and like we sort of colloquially refer to it as our East Coast Belgian Blonde Ale, in the sense that it's you know hoppier than a Belgian Blonde Ale would be, and you know the Belgian yeast component is maybe toned down a little bit, but it makes it very drinkable. Very quaffable. I don't know if you feel like this is uh, the thirst quencher you were I'm looking try for. It. I yeah, try it. Yeah, you I gotta give it a try. You gotta give it a try right now. I, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Slug it down, Johnny. Oh wow, that's really. It smells. It smells great. It's very clean. Like yeah, a, it's, like, it's it's a it's a it's a very clean like Belgian style yeah. and uh, or Belgian influence style. So I say. Um, yeah, that what's the ABV on that? That's very drinkable. It's delicious, actually. You know? oh, yeah, this is yeah, this is coming in at around uh, around five. This is a very perfect beer. For, that's beautiful. That's you delicious. Know, yeah, really, really. For delicious. sitting around the campfire on a you know on a, a 
a chill spring evening, you know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and this is one of our best-selling beers here. You know, so, people so, really, really love so Ma- the American starting now. So, Manny um, Brewery makes this exclusively for you guys. They do. It is. A, it is available for other bars, and I would recommend they should uh, try it too. It's delicious. Do you guys have other? Uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have spirits? Do you have other? You have mixed drinks uh, specialties, or are you pretty much a beer bar, or? You know, the drafts flow, and they flow pretty freely. Uh, we obviously got a full bar as well. We have a spirits program. We have a cocktail program. We have a beer cocktail program, which is really fun. We try to incorporate beer into the yeah beer cocktails. We've... Uh, and cider cocktail. So, yeah. You were the only game in town in, in this area within the neighborhood. Now this is starting to things are popping up. I mean, I mean, you got, and we love that. Yeah. I mean, the neighborhood's growing up around us. Yeah, we got in here first, and there's always going to be someone who's you know leading the charge. The neighborhood's got like. One nine one four six. It's it's a it's a big zip code. Everyone's talking about it now. We're still going to be the living room for the neighborhood. We're still going to be here for everybody and anybody. What they need when they need it. Well, thanks, guys. Adam, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Well, that's it. We'll have another round of beer and booze bros real soon. You can find and subscribe to the Beer and Booze Bros on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Please, subscribe. We're begging you. Beer and Booze Bros is on Twitter at the Beer Bros. You can find me, John McDevitt, on Twitter at JM1060. Paul Kurtz is on Twitter backwards at Kurtz Paul. And let's not forget Tom Rickert, T. Rick, the awesome producer who helped produce this episode of Beer and Booze Bros. What happens in the fallout shelter stays in the fallout shelter. (laughs) Tom is on Twitter at T. Rick. That's T-E-E-R-I-C-K. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Paul.